Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another PowerCat podcast. This is the questions of variety that arrives every Wednesday at GoPowerCat.com. I am Tim Fitzgerald, joined by Zach Carlson. And Ryan Gilbert, we appreciate your support of the PowerCat podcast. If you're not subscribing yet to the podcast, make sure you do that at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. Or you can just listen directly on the Megaphone app at GoPowerCat.com. We're sponsored by The Fridge. As always, our friends at The Fridge are rocking it through the pandemic. Get on into The Fridge whenever you're in to town and uh, say hi to everyone. You don't literally have to say hi to everyone. That's just kind of weird. But say, hey, I, I heard about you on GoPowerCat.com. And they go, what? Huh? Make sure you stop into the Hilo and Tanners, our, our segment sponsors. Need to, need to renew segment sponsors. It's hard to do ad sales when you don't leave your house. Yeah. It's kind of, although I just did run to the UPS store. It was a big adventure. It's like three blocks away. It was a little crowded. But Adam Suderman and Ryan Wallace will soon have new shirts, and they'll be very excited. Boys, how are we doing today? Is everyone good? Yeah. It's a great day. It is a beautiful day. In I leave my Texas. house. If you want to give me some, some gift cards or free food from Tanner's or the Hilo, I'll take them off your hands. We don't, we don't have gift cards at Tanner's or Hilo. Found <sighs> hmm. how that one works, buddy boy. Darn it. I, hey, I tried. I fished uh, around. You just got a TV. What more do you want, man? <laughs> did uh, did you turn? Well, if you don't know, we're moving out of the office. Um, a bank is going into our building. It's it's very weird. It, the whole thing's weird. But um, so we're moving out. I gave a desk away. Riley's old desk is now has a new home. I hope uh, I hope it has a happy life. And. Uh, we're just giving stuff away at this point that we either is going to the dump or we're going to, I don't know. We don't want to put it in our storage unit. I could put Zach in the storage unit, save him for later. Ugh. Yeah, it wasn't big enough. Ugh. Well, I'd like to talk more, but uh, I kind of want to get going with questions from Wabash Station because... Uh, uh, that's what this does. This is the, that's the podcast. So here we go. Here's your MC Ryan Gills Gilbert with your questions from Wabash Station. First question of the podcast from KSU Cat eighty. What position groups are you hearing got hit by COVID or contact tracing? Well, we don't know specifically. I suspect uh, defensive back, maybe defensive line. I know last week it was receiver and some O line. Um, it's a mess. It's a, it's a mess. And from what we're hearing, it's mostly contact tracing people. Um, Hey, you know what, folks, if you're friends with football players, uh, treat them like 
precious commodities and stay away from them. Like, I, I don't know. It's frustrating. Zach, talk. Yeah. I'm, I'm frustrated over this one. Probably get into it more in another question here in a minute, but you know, it's it's kind of crazy the the contract contact tracing. It's hard to say that. You want to say contract tracing? I'm pretty pretty sure in my daily delivery, I said contract at least once. You did at the very end. <laughs> yeah, you did at the very end. I, at You're the end, I was like, but, did I just say contract? But I think it's crazy that none of. I mean, there's so many football players that have roommates that are not football players. They're intermixing people that are, you know, there's supposed to be this kind of bubble here that the players are adhering to. But when, you know, that all goes to, to crap when you let people mingle with other people, you know, I, I don't know how this, this happened. I think that this is, you know, it's kind of crazy that if, if a roommate that isn't a part of the football team tests positive, now you have, you know, however many degrees of separation that need to, to be quarantined here. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, there's some sensibility and some good guidance from the conference and from the medical officials at K-State, but, you know, let's hope for, for negative tests. And I don't know how long these guys have to stay quarantined and how many negative tests they have to produce, but at some point, you know, they'll be back if they've kept testing negative. So it's just, there needs to be kind of a clear number there, I guess, that would be helpful to knowing who it is and when these guys might be back. Gills, are, are you infecting the football players? You go have fun and then go over to their house and say, hey, guys, I had fun in Aggieville. It's all your fault, <laughs> well, isn't it? My brother, who you met this weekend, moving, he lives with a football player. So he's doing it, not me. Is, is your brother got the COVID? Maybe. You never know. Oh, that's great. That works out well for me. That, that was around him. That's going to be fabulous. Uh, yeah, uh, Gills and brother, roommate, and friend moved heavy stuff. I found more heavy stuff we missed, and now i got to get a new dolly or something. I don't know how we're going to do it. Um, it. This is just all so frustrating. I'm almost ready to say, just go get them, uh, go rent a hotel and create your own damn bubble. You know, go go out to the Four Points and Get a bunch of rooms for them and make sure you get high-speed internet they can all tap into for homework and say, you guys are officially in the damn bubble. Um, this is, I don't know. I mean, I i embrace the fact they need to live their lives, but uh, I, I find this very, very frustrating that they, they can't get clear of this any better while other programs are seemingly managing to do it. I don't know what the difference is. Notre Dame did just cancel, though, so um, it it's not just K-State. I mean, everyone's having their issues with it, but like Texas Tech just returned their results and said it was really good, so I don't know what to say. Um, I'm flustered by it all, but it is just going to be that kind of season. Next question from Wildcat Pilot 88 Any word on whether K-State's COVID-isolated players were a result of playing a game or if it came from outside of football-related activities? Um, no, there's no word. It could be both. Uh, I think it is a lot of it's outside um, contact with non-football players. But, you know, sometimes it's hard to tell exactly where you were infected because it takes a couple days to incubate. And you're really not sure. It could have been in the game. It could be off the field. But they do such a good job contact 
tracing. Did I do that right? Uh, yes. Contact tracing that <laughs> they uh, they seem to. I'm surprised we haven't got a knock on the door to say that someone a mile away had it. We better quarantine because it's, it's it's amazing how many people are being quarantined for possible contact. Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, it's you, you just don't know. And if you know, if the players, the players can be a hundred percent following the rules. They could be doing everything right, and if one of their roommates isn't doing everything right, or you know, even their roommates could be doing everything right, and they could still come up. But you know, I think that the risk goes away if you put all the football players closer together and you try eliminating outside influences and dealing with people that aren't necessarily being tested three times a week. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, I, I know that this generation really doesn't fear this virus. They, you know, it really isn't um, as, what's the word I'm looking for, deadly? I don't know, for this generation, this age group. But, man, you, I don't care what it is. If you're sick, be careful. Don't You know, you, you don't know who you pass it to that might pass it to someone else. Just It's just very frustrating right now. I, I'm I'm at my wit's end with positive COVID tests and blessed that I haven't had one. From Randolph the Iguana, what are some theories that you have for why we seem to be one of the teams struggling the, the worst with COVID-19 in the conference? I think it's Aggieville. I mean, I really do. I just think uh, the way Aggieville is designed, if there's a few COVID cases in one bar, uh, and some people get exposed to it. They go to another bar. People just go from bar to bar in Aggieville, and I imagine it gets passed around if there's exposures. I, and then it goes home and gets to a roommate who gets to go see her boyfriend who's a football player. Um, I just think Aggieville's a unique thing, uh, and it's kind of hard to trace where it's coming from if someone's been to three or four different bars and there's been cases everywhere. I agree with you, Fitz. I think that... And I think that it's going to perpetuate itself. I don't think that, you know, bar closing Aggieville, I know that we don't want to close businesses. You know, I feel for the local businesses, but at the same time, it's just going to keep, you know, being the same thing. You know, if somebody goes out COVID positive, they're going to pass it on to, you know, however many extra people. And then, you know, some of those people might not feel anything for a while and they go back out and it's just going to be a cycle on and on and on. At some point, I think that, if you if if we're gonna get over this, you know, either people need to take it upon themselves, saying, "Hey, let's not go out for a couple of weeks. Let's you know get the positive case rate down," or the government's gonna have to come in and say, "Hey, we need to stop this. Help us out here." And I think that you know it, it would not surprise me if the university came out and said, "Hey, please close Aggieville so you know we can." get on from this virus a little better. I would be almost tempted if I was a bar owner to take temperatures as people came in, just to say, you know, we're, we're going to take that extra step and our customers are at least not going to be running a temperature. But really it doesn't address the uh, asymptomatic people that are apparently yeah. all over the place. I, I'm really eager to get down the road and get a better understanding of what this virus has been about and how it's spread. And are people really that many people asymptomatic? I just find it 
intriguing that this has such a large asymptomatic wing when other flu-like viruses don't really? I mean, have you ever heard of asymptomatic flu? I mean, no, that you might be giving flu to someone. Usually you know exactly little Johnny went to day, daycare with the temperature and now everyone has the flu. Just a lot of asymptomatics here that I – and on top of that, we don't see Major League Baseball or the NFL now reporting asymptomatic cases at all. Um, they just report active stuff. I, it's, I just think it's – this thing's so strange. Everything's strange about this. So, folks, behave. Behave. I want to go back to what you said earlier. Um, I agree 100% that Aggieville is – a huge, that's a breeding ground for the, for the virus, no doubt about that. But I don't know if that necessarily separates K-State from other schools in the Big 12, like the question was asking. Um, you've, you've got to think all 10 other schools in this league are, you know, they've got students, they've got student athletes that are partying, whether it be bars, um, whether it be just at a house party. I feel like it's, it, I don't know if Aggieville really is much different than any other um, college town, a, a bar district, so to speak. You know, I don't know if that's, um, separates them from any other school. I I do think the, you know, the nature of bar hopping in Aggieville is a little bit different. Maybe not at Texas because they have bar districts too. But I think in most college towns, you go to a bar, and you know, well, that's, that's where I, you go. In some states, I think bars are still closed. I think in Texas, you can't go to a bar anywhere. Yeah, the bars at KU are closed too. So. I mean, how many other how many other schools in the Big Twelve don't have bars open? It wouldn't surprise me if Ames had bars shut down right now. Um, you know, Stillwater and Norman might be the only two others. You know, maybe West Virginia, but you don't really think about them. But you know, that's one source of student spread. I think that that's that's probably the root here. Man, I think I'm just so opposed to the government stepping in and forcing private businesses shut. I'm, but. Man, this thing's just out of control right now in Manhattan, Kansas. But it also, it gets back to the what I said earlier in the last couple of questions. You know, if someone has a roommate that is doing whatever they want, they're not getting tested three times a week like the players are, you know, you're going to get, you're going to find these positive tests among the players. You're just exposing them. But even if they close Aggieville, I mean, I'm still going to go drink with my friends and maybe hop around to a few different houses, so... It's still going to spread in my mind. I think it's. I think closing the bars is a decent deterrent to spreading the virus. I think that people would stay home. I don't think that there's. You know, think about it. The people that go to Aggieville aren't necessarily the people that'll go to house parties. You know, there's there's kind of a two different demographic setup. You know, there's some overlap, but you're going to hit at least one of that demographic that wants to go out. And you'll slow it that way. So you're not going to completely eliminate the spread, no. But it's one source in stopping the spread. He likes saying spread, by the way. He really does. He says spread a lot. Is that is that jelly, Zach? No, it's uh, it's berry spread. Next question. <laughs> we should probably move <laughs> on. From Eric Black DV, how much do you think the reduced crowd? and noise at Oklahoma improves K-State's chances to win at Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, not a lot. Is that what I want to say? I, um, I, I don't think it really matters. To be honest, K-State's had success there with crowds. 
you know, I think that maybe the the advantage is it'll suck the air out of the game. I didn't think K-State played particularly inspired against Arkansas State. Maybe it was because of a lack of a crowd. Maybe they just weren't inspired. We've seen that happen in front of crowds. But, I mean, maybe there's a chance Oklahoma looks at, oh, we we rolled the first game and they lost and there's no crowd to get us pumped up and let's just go do this thing and get it over with. And maybe they let their guard down. But um, I, I've seen K-State play some pretty good football down there before and uh, get away with victories. What, K-State's 5-3 and three in the last eight? Most competitive team in the conference against Oklahoma? I think, uh, yeah, I think the, the reduced crowd will be nice. I don't think that it. Uh, I think it hurts Oklahoma more than it than it helps K State. Right. But um, I think you know it'll be nice to it'll be it'll be good for K State. I think. But when I saw the spread open, you know minus twenty eight, you know I I would have said immediately, yeah, K State's going to cover that. But you know you find out about these injuries, and you know everything COVID related, and you're like, well, if a position group is so thin, it could be a blowout, but. You know, like I've said all, you know, throughout this season and preseason is we don't know what's going to happen. You know, Navy and BYU, that was a complete opposite game of what the spread was supposed to be. It was a completely the opposite way that it could have gone. So I think that K-State, you know, very well could see, you know, end up on the other side of things. I just think it's so weird this season. And we're going to have to get more games and more data points to to see what's, you know, how teams are playing. Um, but, yeah, I don't. I don't know if the crowd's going to have much of an impact. No, I, I don't either. I should correct myself. Case it's three and five, not five and three. But I don't have a good feeling about this, whether this game is here, there, or anywhere else. I mean, I just don't. I think K State's having some real issues right now with off the field stuff, mostly coronavirus, and that's just the way it is right now. Do you think that K State wants to play this game? I do. I I really do. I. I think Chris Kleiman has this attitude I'm picking up from his quotes that this is what it is. I said this in the daily delivery. We can't do anything about it, but if we have enough players, we're going to throw them into the fire and let them play. And it might end up being losses, but uh, we'll gain from that eventually. And at the end of the day, nobody's burning eligibility. These are all extra games. It's almost like um, when a basketball team goes and plays uh, like another Division One team has a scrimmage, and it doesn't count, but it counts. You know, they they brag about winning and losing, but they experiment. And these aren't exhibition games; they do count technically, but do they really? I mean, I think Wally pointed out really well at Wabash Station. It's amazing how one loss changed everyone's attitude, but it's almost like dominoes. That's going to happen with every college football fan base this season, except one. One fan base will think this season was legitimate because they won a national title and everyone else would say, ah, it was a weird pandemic year and, you know, throw an asterisk in onto their record, no matter what it is. I, I just, unless, you know, unless Louisiana ends up going nine and one or something and ends up in the playoff, nobody's going to really look back at this season as an indicator of anything of substance. Do you think that if the game does get canceled, that, you know, K-State would benefit from it just from all of the extra practice without having a game. I mean, I, when I say extra practice, I don't actually mean extra practice, but just the extra 
time to prepare and get better without having to worry about preparing for the best team in the conference? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd like to think that if they get this game postponed and rescheduled later in the year, that it, K-State will be COVID-free as we move forward. They'll, you know, enough guys will get it and not have it for the rest of the season. I'm not sure, man. I'm just not – I don't know what any of this really means at the end of the day. They postpone, reschedule for later in the season. They play Tech, and maybe it's Tech that has the flare-ups next week. It's just going to be a, a wild ride all year long. And as long as nobody gets – seriously infected and really has some issues with this. It's just, it is what it is. Guys are going to have COVID and miss games. From Randolph, the Iguana, with as many people out as we have, is it even possible to evaluate our performance against a team like Oklahoma if we have the game? Uh, look, if you if you play the safeties we saw at the end of the game last week throughout a game at Oklahoma against Spencer Rattler, you're going to, it's just going to be awful. It's going to be awful. And if you are depleted at the defensive line, if you still have a shuffled offensive line, it's just going to be a, a, a mess. I don't think you can really judge anything. You know, it, it's really not about how many you have out. It's about who you have out. You know, I don't care if Oklahoma had 24 out against Missouri State. Your, your next 24 should be able to beat Missouri State. You're freaking Oklahoma. Um K-State doesn't have that kind of depth. And when those numbers get into the 30s of players being out, you're you're scratching into that depth really, really hard, particularly when it's starters. And now you throw in game injuries, and it's just they don't have – I've said this for years. K-State doesn't maintain the depth. It hasn't recruited at the level to maintain the depth. Uh, to, to overcome one or two key injuries, and now you have COVID taking guys out in waves. It's just really impossible to see um, how K-State can have a winning performance with the personnel they might have to use at Oklahoma. If Ryan Hennington is in the backfield, in the defensive backfield, bless his heart, but it's going to be a long afternoon on Saturday. It, it just is. I mean, there, there's just realities here. I mean, he's really third string if you count Jonathan Alexander not being in the, on the team right now. I mean, if, if K-State's as thin, you know, on the defensive line and in the secondary as w- we fear they could be uh, and they still play the game, I don't, I don't know if, you can, if it's fair to evaluate the defense. You know, if they get the offense back, if they get wide receivers, you know, if, if somehow miraculously J- Noah Johnson can, can play, I don't know if he will. Um, but you know, if the offense itself and they can put up a good performance against Oklahoma's defense, I think that, you know, looking regardless of the outcome of the game, if K-State wins, loses, whatever, if the offense plays well, I think, and, and they have the key pieces there, you know, I think that'll be an, an indicator for the rest of the season. Next question from Herdez Joe, how do we decide uh, a championship game between a six and one team, a seven and one team and an eight and one team with all with head, head, uh, all with head to head over each other. How do you do an honest evaluation of who's better with COVID cancellations happening? Oh, they'll just pick the bigger name. I mean, honestly, I said this on something else. I maybe it was one of our podcasts. I feel like if if Ohio State beats Nebraska, Rutgers, and Maryland and has every other game canceled, they'll get in the playoff at three and zero. They're Ohio State. 
That's the way this playoff has made it very clear is how they work. If Baylor had beaten Oklahoma last year, I don't know that Baylor would have been in the playoff. I just don't. I think we're, we're talking about conference championship, I think, is the, what the question is. Is it? I guess it doesn't. So that's, that's how I read it. A championship game. Oh, so I read it ahead. So, yeah, you would think it Big 12. Right. Right. Uh, Big 12. You're, you're not wrong. Fits at well, all. Well, I mean, right. that, that will, it gets back to this, though. It, you go to um, your, your next tiebreaker is the, who the records against fourth place teams. You know, if there's three tied, then you go to the fourth place team. And if the fourth place team uh, lost to two and beat one, that one's eliminated. And the head to head decides the other two, or they go on. You know, that's how that will work. But eventually it gets down to college football playoff rankings to be the tiebreaker. And again, you're into the name. All things being equal, Oklahoma and Texas will be ranked above um, any other team in this conference, whether that's what they show on the field or not. If if there's a log jam of one-loss teams, Oklahoma and Texas, and it gets to the college football playoff rankings – Oklahoma and Texas, by all means, will probably be the top two. Yeah. If it, if it has to come down to a human poll, you know exactly who's going to be picked. Unless the 8-1 and one team is the, the one that is an OU or Texas, and the 6-1 and one team is OU or Texas. That's the only way that it gets dicey, I guess, that you might see somebody from outside those. But if, you know... If if the eight it, you you basically have to go eight and one if Texas and OU are going seven and six and one. If you've got a six and one, seven and one, and eight and one team, I I don't know if they'll do this, but I would like to see them do the eight and one and the seven and one because you know as far as win percentage goes, they've got a better yeah. you know record. So I don't know if they'll do that, but I think that would be um, the the most fair way to do it. Who needs fair? This is college football. <laughs> Last question of the first half from Yo Mama. Will the conference champions be the team that achieves herd immunity first? <laughs> That's just a good way to do it. Uh, have a league-wide antibody test, and whoever has the most uh, immunity to it wins the title. I like it. It's a pretty good idea. I'd, I'm telling you what, it, it really does. I think its point is this, is that if you can get healthy sooner than rather than later – um, you're going to be playing healthier players against teams with limited rosters. It does get interesting to see how that will play out over the long haul. That's it for the first half of the PowerCat Questions podcast for this week. We're sponsored by The Fridge, and the segment sponsors, again, are the High Low and Tanners. Get into all of those places when you visit Manhattan. We'll be right back after this short break. PowerCat Podcast. We'll be right back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, your weekly podcast where our members, our VIP customers, our friends, our neighbors, our loved ones. Ask us questions at Wabash Station, our VIP message board, and we answer them here for all of you to absorb. Tim Fitzgerald, Ryan Gilbert, and Zach Carlson were sponsored by The Fridge. You know that. Go to The Fridge, go to The Fridge, go to The Fridge. That's my read. That's it. Also, we're having a 60% off special right now. A lot of specials. I know they kind of come and go, but this one's pretty cool. 60% off. We're into football season. It's a perfect time to sign up for GoPowerCat.com. Get that done. It ends later this week. I'm not sure. I'm sitting here trying to remember when. But it's on right now, and you have no reason to miss out. Get in there. Get her done. Speaking of get her done, uh, here is Ryan, the cable guy, Gilbert, with your questions the cable guy wow yeah get her done (laughs) first question of the second half is from randolph the iguana people are saying that the american is a better conference than the big 12 is there any real way to dispute that right now no no i mean that you're not going to be able to dispute anything in this pandemic year i'm anxious the big 12 is under the microscope right now until the sec starts playing and we start seeing chaos in the sec um everyone's going to be focused on the big 12 but this comes back to something i said earlier and zach this should have been my daily delivery this will be tomorrow's daily delivery i'll find a different way to say the exact same thing how's that uh yeah exactly the big 12 shouldn't have played non-conference games they just shouldn't have and we said it from the start by playing all 10 teams, playing 10 different conference games, you you double the number of teams your conference is exposed to. They should have brought either played nine games or brought someone in to be the 11th team so you could play 10. They have upped their possible exposure way more than it should have been. It was a flawed plan. I was against it from the start. And I, if you didn't want BYU, it doesn't matter. Invite freaking New Mexico State. Say, hey, UConn, don't cancel. You'll play our teams this year, and you might go on 10, but you'll get games in. I didn't care who it was. They should have just limited the exposure of their teams to one outside team. I'm telling you, I just don't trust some programs and some coaches that are going to do the right thing when winning and losing is so important to their careers. I I just don't have faith in humanity enough that everyone's going to say, yeah, he's asymptomatic, but he still can't play. I still think someone's out there doing it. Look, even with with the non-conference games, you still expose yourself there on the field. Not even talking about the virus, just the performance. It was Mm -hmm. exposed. They weren't prepared. These teams, these Big 12 teams, any K-State had it. Any of them that have been out for 
you know, weeks at a time over the summer or, you know, throughout fall camp, you know, these teams weren't ready to go. You know, at least Arkansas State, they had a full spring and a spring game before they came and played K-State. You know, there is so many different, uh, you know, there's just differences like that where some people had more practices, some people had less practices. Why bother exposing yourself, uh, you know, if, you know, of losing to a non-conference game? You know, at least in the conference, if you lose to KU, at least they're in your conference. You know, it would suck. It'd be embarrassing, but at least they're a Big 12 team. So that's why that's why you should have just played the conference, what the SEC's doing. No need to lose to the Citadel or Pancake U, you know, on the weekend before Thanksgiving, like SC, like the SEC would have very well done. Yeah. You know, it's just you could have played conference only and it would have been better and no one would have cared because football would have been back. Right. Right. So I'm I'm eager to have the SEC around to see what happens, but when you're swimming in your own fishbowl and you're not playing anyone outside of that fishbowl, you're not going to look bad against non-conference competition. There's no way for the Big 12 to recover their their appearance of being weak right now. That it's written in stone. They played one round of of non-conference games. They went five and three. Two of those wins were, I mean, Tulsa and and. Uh, Houston Baptists are mediocre wins, but your other wins are against Eastern Kentucky, Missouri State, and UTEP, which I love Dana Demel. He's a good friend. UTEP might be as, as bad as the other two teams. I don't know. So it, you, I, don't, I don't get what they were trying to accomplish with this non-conference schedule. They didn't challenge themselves, and they weren't ready to play. They should have just delayed until later and, and played nine games or – found an 11 team to be 10 games period and they screwed up there's no one ringing this bell and now this season is what it is i think baylor and kansas state maybe tcu are going to be fighting these issues all season long trying to stay healthy enough to field a team we hope they can accomplish that for this weekend because i'd rather play getting back to the question earlier in the podcast i'd rather them play i don't want a game delayed for health reasons, even if it's beneficial for the long term. Play the damn game. Let there be a lesson here to the guys who maybe weren't as diligent as they needed to be that they missed a game and might have cost their team a game because they weren't on the field. Next question from KNED. Is the reason the group of five uh, is closing the gap in talent because most Power 5 schools are considered power schools in name only? No, I just think there's a lot of talent out there. I mean, I just think uh, we're seeing more and more transfers. We're seeing more and more kids, uh, you, you know, that might go to a power five and say, you know what, I'm not quite at home here. I need to go to a smaller school and, and play, and they're pretty good players. I mean, we take this news of Demarcus Hayes leaving Kansas State, linebacker. Maybe he transfers down to Houston and – and ends up being a pretty good player there that could have played at the Big 12 level. I think guys are just finding places to play. And that's that's true of the FCS level, too. Some of those good programs are getting Division I, uh, excuse me, Power 5 recruits on occasion, guys that could easily play. Look at Briley Moore. was playing at the FCS level. That guy was playing 
at the FCS level, and he looks perfectly at home in the Big 12. So there's just a lot of players out there. Trey Lance. You know, yeah, Trey Lance. A lot of guys. Yeah, he's an NFL first-round pick probably from North, at North Dakota State. It just – it is. And, and I think there's been enough upsets now where teams don't come in thinking, oh, boy, it's a Big 12 team. You know, they're like, hey, we can, be, we can play with these guys. They they lost a few years ago to whomever. I know Coastal Carolina sure as hell wasn't scared of Kansas one bit. Uh, <laughs> I think Kansas was scared of Coastal Carolina. So on the mental side, there's no advantage anymore. Uh, just take Nebraska as an example. I always thought they had a mental advantage, mental advantage in the Big 12, uh, particularly against old Big 8 teams, because we remembered Nebraska. We knew what they were. Uh, and – you kind of feared that crowd in Lincoln, and it was a hostile environment. They're now Northwestern's bitches. You know, people in the Big Ten just roll into Lincoln and and pick up some uh, beer ox and victories and head out of town. I mean, that's just the way it is right now. They Nobody is in fear of their tradition or respect them because they were mighty and awesome in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. They're just a team in red that has a lot of loud fans, and you can go beat them. That's how they're thought of in the Big Ten. So I, I think a lot of smaller schools now just don't fear coming into Power 5 environments, and they feel like they can win those games, and they have been. If you're asking the question based off of you know, what you saw over the last couple of weeks, I don't think that the group of five is closing a gap by any means just because they beat a couple of Big 12 teams. I, just, I don't think that calling that talent is – you know, a good barometer, I guess, you know, it's, it's a crazy season. If you're basing it off of that, I disagree. But I think that if you're talking about in general, I think it's because the internet, there's more coverage. It's easier to find guys. We just went up to Washington County to go watch an eight man football game with Tyson Struber, who plays for Canton Galva eight man. If you would, if you would think in the year 2000, would we be going to to see an eight-man football player anywhere in the country? Probably not. I mean, it's easy for these guys to get found, and guys aren't getting missed. I mean, it's impossible to get missed. Everything is on video now. You know, part of what, you know, Bill Snyder wasn't able to, you know, now that, you know, once video came out, Bill Snyder wasn't able to find these hidden gems. You know, they weren't hidden anymore. They were gems, and they were getting the rightful respect they deserve or so, in this case hidden geordies yeah <laughs> hidden geordies <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i think the the ta- if you're gonna talk about the talent gap i think that there's that but at the same time you know it's not like people weren't going to group of fives back in the day you know think about utah under urban meyer in the early 2000s tcu boise state you know there were still you know I don't want to call those guys mid-level, but they were the top of group of five. I mean, going to one of those schools is better than going to Kansas, Boston College, Virginia. I mean, if you're going to play football, I mean, you can go to UCF and you know wear cool jerseys, have cool spaceship helmets, or you can go to KU and lose a bunch of games and wear Adidas. You know, I mean... <laughs> I know that that's, that's maybe not a not a great argument for picking a school, but I mean, if you no, think about it, no, it is. Big kids do think of that. I mean, I would rather go to UC. I'd rather go to probably a dozen schools 
that are group of five before I went to Kansas or Boston College or Virginia or Wake Forest. You know, just just because yeah. it's power five, it doesn't mean that you want to go there. But I don't think that that's changed. I think that, you know, even 20 years ago, I don't think that the guys that are picking UCF over Kansas, I don't think they would have changed their decision. I still think they'd go pick, you know, a school where they can play at and they're going to be successful if that's what you want. But if you want to go to a power five school in name, I, I don't think there's many guys that are just picking because of that, even if you're going to go oh and 44 for your career. Yeah, you know, I just you can't take anything out of this season. Maybe Louisiana was that much better than Iowa State, or they just were able to get more practice in in the off season, and they looked better on that day. Um, you know, I really think Arkansas State they had players out, but they also had more practice. You know, they almost got in a full spring. You just can't put too much into this season. Um, and like I said, and I will continue to say, at the end of the day, only one school is really going to consider this a legitimate season because they have hardware. And the rest, the rest will just put, you know, a little star by it and say, "Yeah, it was a weird year. That's a pandemic season. That really didn't matter." So that's just the way it is this year. Weird stuff is going to happen. And when your bookie calls, say, "I am abstaining this year because you can't predict how weird things can get." That's why I want the SEC to start. Let's just see how weird it gets for the SEC. Could LSU go like? three and seven or whatever this year because they've had so many opt-outs and guys sitting out for the the draft do you think their fans are gonna well yeah they would anyhow i think most people realize that that's just a a weird thing that happened in a pandemic season but they won't lose to louisiana because they don't play them next question from ohio power cat is it too early to start looking forward to basketball season or should we give the football season more of a chance I'll give it a chance, man. Get, I, you know, I, I think this season could still be entertaining. I mean, what if uh, Will Howard starts playing more at quarterback? Well, that's going to be interesting to watch. Deuce Vaughn. Um, what if Bradley Moore decides, I am going to come back next year. I get a free season? I don't think he will. But, you know, there's, there's storylines here. Uh, I guess my interest here, Zach, is – as we get down the road, if K-State continues to lose, continues to have problems, does this coaching staff say, okay, young guys, go play. Just go play. You'll be back next year as a freshman or whatever your year is, but you're going to be better for this experience. It, I don't know. I mean, the, if you line up, you're going to try to win, but it just may not be in the cards this year. I think saying, you know, going straight to basketball after one loss is very KU like <laughs> I, I think that the, there's another school to cheer for if that's what we're thinking about right now but if you know we've, we've played one game you know it what if K-State goes and wins in Oklahoma on Saturday you know if, if you could if you at the beginning of the season before any games are played if you could say you're you'd be one and one after Oklahoma would you take it without knowing either of the results You'd yeah. probably say, yeah, that's fine. You know, one and one is fine because one and one, you beat Arkansas State and you lose to Oklahoma. Well, that's expected. But if you lose to Arkansas State and you beat Oklahoma, you know, you're probably okay with the loss at the, at the beginning. You know, you're probably okay with one and one. So 
you know, I think that you need more of a chance. Texas, Tech, if they lose next week, Texas Tech is still a team that is beatable. You know, there's wins on the schedule for K-State to have. Yep. There are still wins out there. Don't give up after one game. But at the same time, remember, if, if this is a normal season, basketball season would be starting in like five weeks. You know, the end of October has been those first exhibition games for the last few years. And we kind of forget that, yeah, basketball basically overlaps with football. You know, you basically have a month of football, month and a half of football without any basketball overlap. So, you know, I think it's going to be nice having the basketball season delayed a little bit. But I am looking forward to basketball just for the sake of having more sports. And I miss Bruce. You know, there's a similarity in the storylines for basketball. I mean, that's that team's going to be so young, Gills, that, hey, let's just see what happens. They're going to get beat a lot. But how do they grow up mature? How do they advance themselves this season? Um, and do they get really competitive by year's end if they can get a full season? And I'm, I'm interested to see all this. I'm excited about basketball. Not that I think they're going to go to any postseason tournament. I just want hope for the future after what happened last year. And do, do we see an upturn or at least more promise than we did uh, last year with all these young guys? With what we've been talking about, too, with football, I think more or less the same thing is kind of going to happen with basketball. There's going to be uncertainties. There's going to be cancellations. Um, but there's also going to be a loss early in the season to a, a team you're not supposed to lose to. So I don't know if I'm necessarily looking forward um, to the basketball season, even if K-State goes 0-3, 0-4 to start the season. I mean, I, I don't see how basketball is going to be much different given – like you said, fits the way they performed last year. I just, there's not much optimism for me. I understand that. I mean, but I, I'm just hoping to see, well, that guy's going to be a stud. You know, that guy's going to get there. Yeah. Because yeah. honestly, we didn't see anything enough consistency out of those freshmen last year to really have a bunch of hope. But I, I think uh, we might start to see some signs of that as this season progresses, if it progresses. Next question from first down 1989 basketball recruiting are we going to sign anyone and are we leading in any recruiting battles and now we bring in ryan gilbert our basketball recruiting analyst or something well i don't know cj nolan was obviously the favorite there for um that summer and then obviously oklahoma kind of comes in and swoops him i are recording this on i guess it happened three minutes ago he just committed i haven't checked my phone but we're going to assume he's at oklahoma um, unless he pulled a donovan williams on us he's he's not going to be with k-state so um, that sucks. That sucks to lose out on him. And I think K-State spent a lot of, lot of their time um, focusing on C.J. Nolan. So that definitely is going to hurt them on the recruiting trail. But uh, shameless plug here, I'll be having an article come out tomorrow morning. So I guess when you're listening, it should be, should be out. I'll be highlighting you know, who um, the coaching staff is going to be looking to, to fill that void on the roster. You know, no 20, 21 commits so far. K-State and Oklahoma State are the only two schools without a commit in that, in, in that class. And I know that's not a, a good thing, but you look at Oklahoma state, they've got the top overall recruit um, in, in Cade Cunningham. You've got Donovan Williams, you've got Rondell Walker, you've got a good class, you know, K-State's got five really good freshmen coming in. So I'm not necessarily hitting the panic button yet, um, but it, it's, it's definitely going to raise some eyebrows. Um, I, I think AJ Neal, um, Shane Desany, you know, there's some guys in there. I mean, Muhammad is, is kind of backing away, but they're still, there's still some hope. I think there's some guys in there that, that K-State can land. It's not over. It's late, but it's not over. 
Um, but it's definitely kind of frustrating to see Donovan Williams and now CJ Nolan be um, pretty much very heavy favorites to Kansas State and then flop um, a matter of days or in, in CJ Nolan's case, a matter of weeks before his recruitment. It's frustrating to see, but I think we're, so, we're starting to see the effects of the pandemic here. It's not an excuse at all because K-State had the upper edge on Nolan with you know his father, Belvis, playing in the 90s. But, you know, at the end of the day, you lost the recruiting battle to Lon Kruger straight up. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not a good look for K-State, but you, you just got to move forward. We'll see what happens. Uh, Gills, is there a conspiracy here? Uh, Riley leaves and has an amazing class that he covers, and then you come in and, and K-State doesn't get any commits. Yeah, is what's there, going on? Is there something oh, here? Huh? You caught me. Huh? I think I scare him away, honestly. <laughs> well, we've told you uh, we're supposed to wear shirts when we have Zoom conversations, but you keep going without, and <laughs> no. it's a little unsettling. Fake news. <laughs> At least my background's always normal. It's not an aquarium or uh, The Simpsons. The Simpsons living room is a good Zoom background. I don't know what you're getting yeah, at. I'm, I'm not throwing shade. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. Got anything else? A couple more, yeah. yeah let's We're do not it. done yet. Let's do not it. Off the hook. Next question is from K Ned. If comedy requires a layer of truth to be funny, how accurately has SEC Shorts per- portrayed oh each Power Five conference in the season road trip videos? These guys, those guys are brilliant. It's like the isn't like Birmingham local theater doing those things. It's oh, I have it, no clue. If you haven't seen SEC shorts, it's it's a theater troupe that are doing these parodies of the SEC and now other conferences. They're unbelievable. They're so funny and well done. Um, I I can't imagine the amount of money they're making off them because the the page views are enormous on these things because now people are going back and finding the old ones from like last year well and and they have a they have a giant bank as the title sponsor and the last video i saw kirk herb street did a read for the bank i know like oh my god legion's bank must be very happy i think it's legion's bank whatever the bank is that's in the south they are very happy with with how well these are doing i guess but i just i love how well they're filmed and planned out i know like, it's not like these guys just get a camera out. They write these things and then find good actors to to do them. I mean, and they turn them around quickly, too. It's like, I mean, these guys are, I don't want to put them up with SNL, but, like, it's kind of that, you know, that, that type of sketch, I guess. Something, you know, they can it turn is. around really quick. I mean, within, a, you know, a couple days. It's impressive that the main guy who plays a lot of the funny characters is really good. He's really good. He's just one of those guys that's adaptable to a bunch of different things. It's they're well done. Go find SEC shorts on uh, YouTube. Need a Big Twelve shorts, but it would just be Texas <laughs> telling everyone what to do. I like it. That's exactly what it would be. Yes, yes, sir. Yeah, I'll go do that. Yes, sir. Yeah. Last question of the podcast from Exhausted Nihilist. Can we get an update on the Go Power Cat office move? Where is Fitz going to stash all his pimped out artwork and decorations? I got to admit, this really sucks. Yeah, it does. It uh, Okay, so the latest is we, we moved out the big stuff. We still got lots of little stuff to move. I need to figure out how and when I'm going to do that. Um, and... It's going into storage because 
I mean, I can't be in a studio right now with guys like Gills and Zach that are clearly out doing things at night that we don't want to talk about on the podcast. Well, not Zach. Zach's no. in bed. Well, Zach's if you, if the pandemic can spread via uh, what what's your game you're playing now? Baseball cards. Oh, he's doing baseball. I mean, cards. I mean, right now it's yeah, it's been, well, uh, last as of last weekend, it's been football cards. Oh wow, that's just. Sad. I have a problem. I, I have a major problem. So if you can catch COVID from that, very infectious. But I don't think that's eventually that's we'll possible. we'll get a studio. Um, for now, um, I'm going. We're in. A, I'm in our little home office, our Hawaii themed home office. If you noticed from the videos, but we are going to renovate an extra bedroom downstairs into more studio space. Uh, and those some of those prints will go up down there. So I'll be shooting my stuff from that room instead of um, this room. But uh, yeah, it sucks. And and honestly, we're going to have it set up where we could have people come in at some point. But I think Zach and I agree. We, we want a studio. Um, we want a flexible studio. It doesn't need to be real big where, you know, we can have podcast at one end and video at the other end and kind of more flexible, interchangeable, but it sucks. We put so much time and effort into that office. It just, my buddy Toby, who did a lot of the construction, came in to help us, and he just looked around and went, this sucks. I mean, this office is cool, and we're just trashing it now. We're trying to pull foam off walls, yeah. which has been humorous. Um, but it, you just deal with this stuff. Believe me, I know that right now. There is no plan that you're in on. There is a plan. You just don't know it, and you got to just handle whatever comes your way and just keep moving down the road. And for now, we're moving into a storage unit, and we'll eventually find something else. We'll be Zooming for a while until the pandemic passes, and, and then we'll, we'll find a studio. And then we'll have a shrine to Bradley Gates in the new studio. Who was your favorite mover? Uh, that that was you. No, actually, it was the big guy from Goodland who showed up and took the couches. <laughs> Shows up in his, you know, cut off sleeve shirt and big, and he goes, "Here, let me let me get that fridge for you," and just hauls that fridge out. And I'm like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> but then he once once he had his couches, uh, he he took off and didn't help us unload, which was okay. He got rid of the couches. That was fun. Uh, two of our couches are a couch in our love seat that have been in our office since day one. So they go back to the 2000 or something. They're pretty beaten up, but they're, they're leather, and they now will be outdoor couches uh, for great after-hours parties. What, what general vicinity of Manhattan does he live in, Gills? Do you know? He's over by City Park. Yeah. So uh, if you see any black leather couches sitting in a backyard, they live on to party for another day. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for this week's PowerCat podcast of the questions variety we appreciate you listening and make sure you're subscribing to the podcast make sure you're listening to Gills's 10 of 12 podcast he had Cody Nagel on from the Oklahoma State site to talk about the Cowboys performance he's going to try to bring in someone new every week we'll see if he can stick to that maybe he'll have his mom on to talk about Big 12 football I don't know it's his podcast he can do whatever the hell he wants and this is my podcast, and now I'm going to leave. So you should stop listening because the podcast is over. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.